Hello builders. Welcome to the Builders Club Startup Founders podcast. A podcast for founders to upskill themselves and understand the founder mindset. Every week, we sit with the best minds in the startup ecosystem and understand what it takes to start, run and scale businesses. This podcast is from one of our recordings of our water cooler conversations. A weekly community AMA where we get established entrepreneurs to discuss their strategies and their mindset in front of our community members. So sit back, relax and let's start with the episode. Welcome everyone. Uh, this is probably our 16th or 17th Watergulo conversation. Up now, so we have also left, lost track. We today we have Tanvir Singh with us. Tanvir is the co-founder of Sova Health. Uh, Sova Health basically works um, is up is India's first precision nutrition platform to prevent and manage lifestyle diseases. uh they were a part of the antler acceleration program same as uh, me and ha- they have just raised a fresh round of funding from ciie practical vc let's venture and all of the others uh, and tanvir is a 3x founder this is his third startup so all of you guys who are planning to start a company or who are already in route and were pro- probably building your first company there are so many learnings that tanvir can share with you uh in terms of what are the do's and don'ts so welcome tanvir to the water cooler chat man how's it going thank you sir uh going very well and uh thank you very much for uh, having me here it's uh, it's a pleasure and honor to be able to you know speak with the community speak with like minded people founders students entrepreneurs uh so i'm hoping i'll be able to learn uh, equally as contribute today so yeah looking forward to this cool 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 thanks a lot tanvir for for taking time out here uh so tanvir you i mean i to know you as a friend also friend and a colleague for almost a year year and a half now but uh, you know would love to probably yes. walk through your journey as an entrepreneur because i guess this is your third startup now uh would love to know you about your early life what exactly have you been doing before what was you know about your first job about your first startup and where exactly and how exactly did you land up with sova health so you know why don't you walk us through that journey yeah absolutely so uh so look i come from bhuvneshwar that's home for me uh born and brought up there went to doon to do my high school So I spent 2002 to 2008 uh, at Doon. I've always been uh, quite passionate about sport uh, and fitness uh, as, as a part of that. So used to play a fair bit of sport at Doon. I used to I I represented uh, India at the national level in tennis and also played a fair bit of hockey and cricket for school. Wow. And this sort of and I mentioned this because this sort of also is the early seed for you know where the passion behind Sova comes today. Okay. so i've been keenly exploring the space uh, you know ever since and uh, did my undergrad at uh, delhi university so i was at the college of business studies okay. and went on to to work at ei now uh, i think entrepreneurship for me was something that sort of runs deep uh, you know 
it it was dinner table conversation while i was growing up and family mm-hmm. sort of also comes from an entrepreneurial background of course in a very different era right so so it's traditional business and you know dad runs something which is more retail focused so okay. been there uh, in terms of the environment and was always very excited about it now i i discovered fairly early on or at least made a decision fairly early on in college that i wanted to work along with studying so my first sort of version of getting my hands dirty actually did happen in college and i ended up working for a, a good two and a half out of three years that i went to undergrad at du oh wow uh, ended up college founding a small social media consulting company and this is way back in 2008 now uh, 2008 is when i went to college but 2010 odd is when we started the social media consulting company and this was when brands were going online for the first yeah, time so there was this yeah. whole wave of hey you know can i establish my first facebook page you yeah. know what is google adwords can i start you know running an ad there and this was the phase that we were taking offline brands into the online world So started off with that went on to work at EY for a little under a year and then really came back to to you know core entrepreneurship if you can call it that so i was a part of the early team i was actually the first uh, employee of a startup which uh, does or it was trying to do something that misho has done very successfully today so this oh, was a social wow. selling model driven uh, fashion retail startup so yeah so we used to we used to sell uh, fashion accessories which is which is jewelry bags sunglasses stuff this like this to a digital marketing or a multi level marketing this is this. 2011 so Ach. the company was called jewalia and you and i'm i'm going to sort of run you through the quick journey because i think my biggest learnings from my startup experiences is that you you get to experience both the highs and the lows yeah all right yeah. and i've sort of been through this journey a couple of times so that's where most of my learnings come out of as well so jewalia was a company that i joined as the third member of the team the first employee pretty much outside of the founders mm. and i went to see and i went i worked with the company to see it grow to a team of 200 spread wow. across 40 cities in the country at one point of time we were doing a annual turnover of over 100 crores had raised uh, you know double digit venture capital from from tier 1 funds uh, and i sort of got to experience firsthand what it means to be in a startup and to build a startup got so it. everything from you know writing the first business plan to going and setting up the call center you know shipping and packing the first order that we got on the website to then actually seeing the team and company grow to you know the numbers that i mentioned earlier was basically a part of my experience at that at that venture uh 2015 i went on to found my first uh, startup myself which was in the hospitality procurement space this was a company that was Yeah, incubated and backed by the Microsoft Ventures Accelerator, based out wow. of Mumbai, and okay. uh, yeah, it was it was uh, so it was called Efficient Bazaar. Uh, we basically centralized procurement for hotels. It was a B two B platform for procurement, specifically for the Horeca segment. That's hotels, restaurants, and catering. And uh, this was from 2015 to 2017, little little uh, into late 2017s when we ran it for. uh and uh, again so a very interesting phase uh, in the early b2b space so this was a time when you know the likes of udan moglicks uh, bizong go were just about coming around okay. Okay. and uh, you know that's when we had the chance to sort of build this out 
Now, 2018, I took a break from entrepreneurship and went to uh, HPI in Berlin to study a design thinking program. Now, this was a calculated choice, and I basically had made a choice to not do an MBA at that point and and actually do a program uh, in design thinking. Now, I'm I'm not sure if uh, everybody here is aware of what design thinking is. Basically, an innovation framework. So it helps you structure this other day out at startups. Uh, right, so I felt that uh, a slight structure to this process will help us in in bringing in efficiency, uh, and therefore decided to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, things just fall into place. So I actually met my co-founder Max uh, while I was in Berlin doing this program, and that's where we started working on the the core concept of Sova. Right, so mm-hmm. as somebody who's been passionate about health and fitness myself, I was struggling to find this answer about, hey, you know, what am I supposed to do to stay healthy? Right, I've played. Mm-hmm. sport at a good level i understand what it takes to train professionally but what happens once you stop playing at that at that competitive level and how do you continue to stay fit right that's what we want to do we don't want to fall sick uh, not all of us i think are in the phase anymore where we want six pack abs mm-hmm. but we definitely don't want to be you know we be here of our parents and our grandparents yeah. starting to have to doctors uh, and you know take medicines and we don't want to be in that phase Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So that really was the the first sort of starting thought behind Sova, which is like, hey, why is this thing so complex, right? Like, why can't I help myself understand uh, what I should be eating? Somebody is telling me go do keto. Somebody is saying go IF. Somebody, you know, says low carb. Somebody says high protein. Like, what is all this jargon? Mm-hmm. So that's where we started off. And now, look, my my co-founder Max, he comes with a background in uh, genetics, right? So he understands it from a science and a nutrition perspective. Got so it. that was the match that I was looking for. Like that was my first click. Right? Hey, you know, I I, I now I found somebody who I can at least brainstorm with about this space, right? And both of us are excited about the space in general. And and we didn't we didn't start off with an intention to start a business together. We started off by actually spending the first six months mapped out what twenty odd user journeys. So twenty people, different phases of their lives. I uh, just tried to understand what their interaction and experience with food is today and what kind of health concerns are they suffering from or or scared about suffering from from there we identified six or seven problems that we felt that we could you know we one are interested in solving i think very important part of the journey is hey i know there are so many problems in the world but what do i really wanted to solve mm. and secondly we felt that we had some expertise in so went about a process of experimentation from there and over a period of i would say a good 3 to 6 months arrived at this insight that hey there's there's a lot of health in the generic form that exists today right whether it's supplements whether it's you know healthy eating options whether it's being able to consult a dietitian or a nutritionist these options exist mm-hmm. what doesn't exist is that nobody tells us that what is good for us as an individual right and how how do i sort of make this process which is otherwise very subjective where i can read online i can get my friends advice you know i can go to a professional how do we make it more objective mm. uh, and that's how the idea behind sova came about it said okay let's simplify healthy eating let's bring some science into this decision making process let's rely on data and technology to assist the healthcare professional so that they can make better decisions and in turn simplify healthy eating for the end user Uh, and that's how sova health was was sort of conceived or born uh, in in the first phase yeah so that's that's been my journey uh, over the last wow. i'd say now but 15 years 20 years wow. almost so wow. 
Yeah, happy to take it over, sir. Sorry. No, no. This is this is a fascinating journey, yeah. I mean, you went from uh, from uh, you know from a hospitality from a jewelry rather a retail background to a hospitality background to now a health tech background. So technically, three different industries in which you have dipped your entrepreneurial fingers into. So that's fairly a fair bit of success in all of them. Um, your learnings as in is there a common thread because a lot of people you know they get stuck in this domain expertise bit ki you know i i don't know about this industry i don't know about about you know this bit but i know that there is a lot of opportunity out there uh, but because i don't have domain expertise i'd rather not go there so what's your what's your thought on that bit so i think two aspects right uh, i can i can look at it from my perspective and then i look at it a little more at a macro level so look from my perspective i'm somebody who comes with a background in business right so for mm. me two things were were important and look i i these two things did not come to me when i went and made my first decision to join a startup uh one thing that that you want to look out for is hey is this a lucrative business opportunity right like under the day you're building a business you want to see the market size and i'm sure everybody's heard here you know look at the tam and the sam and this and that but yeah net net you want to see okay is this an opportunity that's large enough to go and make an impact in and second is okay do i have the right people around me to make this happen like i can't stress on this one enough like team 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 um first most important thing that you want to address as a founder as a potential entrepreneur is are you have you got the right set of people working with you to be able to address the opportunity that you want to run after uh so so for me you know why i think across the two businesses that i have seen uh, sova being the third of course is that it's a make or break right if you don't have the right team members early mm-hmm. uh you sort of increase the the probability of failure exponentially all uh, right they're having the right set of people in the same room just gives you that capacity to be able to persevere and endure a lot of times mm-hmm. entrepreneurs talk about resilience perseverance endurance right all of these things are great qualities but these great qualities only are practically possible to execute when you have other people in the room who are willing yeah. to walk the journey with you uh, so i think that's one of the core learnings that's come out of it and and yeah you know when it comes to me and my journey spread across industries Uh, I, my common themes been uh, been been technology right so if you see these are all technology led businesses we were all disrupting status quo using technology uh, and we were all building to address a larger audience than these businesses were currently addressing so whether it was taking multi level marketing uh, or or what we call today social selling in the misho context online it was basically breaking or disrupting a a, a century more than a century old business uh, which has been you know hugely successful globally and trying to see how the internet age can now catapult this into making it accessible to a much larger audience and making it a lot more efficient in terms of being able to deliver you know efficiencies of of scale all uh, right similarly with hotels we said like look hotels at least on the demand side have massively taken that technology uh, leap whether it comes to bookings in the form of working with otas like make my trip uh, or it comes to you know some level of servicing oyo by the way in 2015 was a uh, was in its infancy so it was a company which had barely raised i think they raised the series a after 
you know we had also uh, uh, started to work in the same space so this is the era that i'm talking about where you know hotels were just sort of seeing the first impacts of technology outside the sales vertical and we realized that look there's a lot of inefficiency at the back end which is happening mm. because of a traditional system Manual. that runs which yeah. comes with its advantages comes with its disadvantages in terms of scale so that's the theme right so take technology disrupt what's already happening and then it doesn't matter which industry you're disrupting however mm. i must add here in a very candid uh, you know since we're in a candid environment that mm. the passion that i feel while building sova is very different from from what i've been through my past through journey right this is some place where and we're still very young as a company but this is where my my heart beats my mind like i've always been very passionate about sport and fitness i've naturally seen myself drawn towards making healthier choices when it comes to mm. you know food educating myself reading up about it and now i'm trying to make this experience accessible to a larger group of people wow wow that's that's very inspirational yaar tanveer very nice uh, can you can you delve a little bit deeper onto what exactly does sova do and i guess there are a lot of other people also who are doing this how does it how is this different from any other solution which is out there so so i mean so let's let's sort of understand what precision nutrition itself means i think it's as a concept it's something that's still fairly new in india mm. so when i say precision nutrition i mean science backed data backed or evidence based nutrition right so like mm. i said the the mission here is to one keep people healthy keep people living longer keep people you know safe for a longer period of time uh and second uh is to do it in a in a data backed in a science backed manner so that we can simplify this this process of eating right like why something that we imagine it like this right we have sizes for clothes we have sizes for shoes we have sizes for everything that we are consuming uh you know in our lives but food which is something that we consume 3 to 4 times a day has no way or no benchmark for how much we should eat when should we eat how should we eat and there's so many contrary theories about what is good for an individual and what is not you go ask your friend who's a you know who's who's fit and healthy he'll give you some gyan you go to your doctor he'll say something else you go to your aunt she'll say something else and this is exactly why and you of course google right you go on to google and you'll get like 20 different theories about what is the right food for you mm. and uh, fundamentally this doesn't make sense right like why should this be so complex and why is something that i'm doing 3 to 4 times a day not simple enough for me to you know put into a structure and and make sure that i'm uh, finding the end solution that i need which is to stay healthy mm. so mm. fundamentally like i said simplifying healthy eating that's what we're out to do by doing this what we end up achieving is we end up preventing and managing lifestyle disease it's shocking the number of people who are uh, in india at this point of time who are suffering from diabetes thyroid hypertension obesity like these are lifestyle diseases that can be prevented these are lifestyle diseases which end up becoming way more serious uh, if they are not detected in their infancy uh, you'll be surprised to know that diseases like diabetes hypertension thyroid obesity are actually show very clear symptoms a good 10 to 20 years before they actually manifest into medical degree uh, conditions wow. right and that's fun, that's that's exactly where we operate right we catch it early we diagnose it early and we make sure that you stay safe and healthy longer uh, that's the play here now coming to the platform itself so, so yeah a precision nutrition platform is what we are building Mm. uh we help prevent and manage lifestyle disease we do mm. this through an ai powered recommendation engine that mm. 
factors in key health statistics mm. or habits in your lifestyle lifestyle how you sleep how you exercise uh you know do you have any medical conditions do you have any eating preferences and combines that with blood analysis now okay. really help you understand what's happening inside your body and then we provide recommendations across food which is what you should eat any supplements that you might need to take and any lifestyle changes that you might need to make uh to make sure that you're achieving your health goal so that's what we do as a as a company so this is not technically weight loss this is not weight loss this is prevention of lifestyle diseases is what i understand weight loss is an is a symptom weight is a symptom it's our body telling us that something is going wrong inside boss like may stand up and notice when you when you put on weight it's it's basically an outcome and not the cause what we do is we help you find the cause so when people come to us and say hey i want to lose weight Mm. they say okay what you know what like go through the diagnostic process let us help you point out why you are putting out weight in the first place mm. we do this using our diagnostics we do this using the blood analysis and then we are able to give you very specific and this is where precision comes in right mm. we are able to give you precise precise recommendations on what exactly you should change so that you are able to achieve your outcome and you don't go through this process of oh i lost 5 kilos and then i you know i stopped dieting and then i put it back on and this time i put back 10 and now i don't know what to do with my life and this is a very common thing that we hear this weight loss yo yo pattern that happens mm-hmm. and this fundamentally happens in the market because a lot of times dietitians or nutritionists are basically using a hit and trial approach mm-hmm. they give you one and one diet plan or meal plan they'll see how your body responds to it and then they'll try and change it from there mm-hmm. it's not required boss like each one of us mm-hmm. is already doing 50 60 70% of things right all we need to do is point out which 30% you're doing wrong mm. and then help you fix those so that one we don't turn your life upside down we don't ask mm. you to eat avocados and chia seeds and broccoli mm. every day mm. uh, and uh, you know you can continue to eat your favorite food you don't have to starve yourself you don't have to be on diet charts and you still lose weight uh, and it's it might it might be surprising at some point but a lot of our clients are actually instructed to eat more mm. lose weight and now this might sound extremely contradictory but that's how the human body functions if you end up starving yourself a lot of times you will not actually lose weight you will put it back on and you will put it back on with a vengeance when you start eating again mm. so so that's where we come in we use science we use data we use technology we help you understand wrong uh, inside and then we fix it for you got it got it one more thing which i wanted to dwell into is there are a lot of other companies so whenever whenever you talk about nutrition you know i think a nutritionist usually yeah. people go to a nutritionist just for weight loss and i guess there are a lot of other companies in the market who market themselves or position themselves as technically experts in losing weight you see their ads and you know that you know i lost these many kilos in these many days and all so i what i'm saying is your positioning is fairly different from this i mean i just wanted to touch upon that angle uh, from a communication i mean probably from a competitive standpoint where do you see yourself in india yeah so i think again two aspects to this right where how do we position ourselves and how is competition positioning themselves or how does a consumer perceive of us mm-hmm. so i'll answer the first one first right we like you very lightly pointed out are not a weight loss platform mm-hmm. we believe weight loss is an outcome of getting healthier mm-hmm. uh, we help you identify what is not healthy about your life whether it's mm-hmm. in the form of you know parameters in your blood which are already screaming out loud that hey i need attention or for that matter certain lifestyle and habits that you have which we can help you identify and fix 
Mm-hmm. The outcome being that we make sure that you don't fall into this trap of lifestyle diseases. It's an amazingly, well, unfortunately, sad situation uh, to mm-hmm. see twenty-five-year-olds, thirty-year-olds, people in our sort of age groups coming to us with liver disease, coming to us with hypertension, with thyroid. Like this is not the age to get these diseases, and these are not. hereditary and they are not mandatory for us to get just because somebody in our family had them mm. uh, and if we take the right steps at the right time we can definitely extend our life so that's where we focus all right we help you stay healthier we don't promise you the six pack abs all uh, mm. right that's not where we want to be optimization sports performance is a vertical that we are doing r&d in right now but it's not something that we want to stand for at least for the first couple of years of our of our you know company's existence mm. so um that's how we position ourselves now mm. fortunately or unfortunately like you said a nutritionist or a dietitian in today's market is somebody who you go to for weight loss all right and that is that is the positioning in the market and this is where a lot of uh, competition uh, exists at this point of time i think there are some pretty remarkable companies so healthify me is one that everybody may have heard of you know fitter somebody who's doing really well now uh, there are also a, a, some companies which are focused on specific medical condition management they like diabetes diabetes is a huge problem in india there are 150 million indians who suffer from diabetes or pre diabetes right and there are companies which are specializing in just managing diabetes so all these companies are in some way competition for us uh, the average nutritionist in the in the offline world is competition for us because when a consumer thinks about their health outcome these are the different choices that they have today right mm. so this is where a company like like sova which is bringing to india a, a global gold standard when it comes to nutrition so you know precision nutrition or blood biomarker based nutrition is something that's considered the global gold gold standard uh, when it comes to personalization of nutrition itself uh, and this is a concept that we're bringing to india uh, and bringing to asia in fact we we already work with customers in singapore and hong kong as well uh and uh when we see ourselves entering the market and as you know a lot of founders might sort of also see this be in this position where they're bringing something new into the market and when you bring something new in you have to be very very cognizant and uh, aware of not just how the company which you consider company company uh, competition sorry is positioning themselves but also how the customers perceiving of this company so like i said today a customer when they come to when they think about weight loss they think about healthify me they'll think about fitter they'll think about the doctor they'll think about the nutritionist and they'll think about their best friend who's just managed to lose 15 kilos uh you know in the last 3 months uh and this is the market that we at some in some way are also you know influencing because we are also helping them understand that hey you know weight loss does not have to be this sporadic up and down movement in your weight it can be a long term solution that we can help you find by helping you identify the core underlying symptoms or what we cause by you know conducting a root cause analysis of your symptoms so that's where it's important to know the the two sides of the story and be very careful about understanding how the customer is perceiving of your brand got it got it interesting yaar fairly interesting uh, how has uh, how has the traction been like you people just raised uh, around right now right so yes, so we closed our second round of funding in december yeah mm-hmm. so you, uh, what are the plans now what what is what are the expansion plans are you looking at uh, product expansion or are you looking at uh, getting getting user traction right now 
both i mean like like every uh-huh. every company in an early stage you have to sort of check the boxes at uh, multiple levels so what we've did done um in in a very conscious sort of mindset was that we used the first year of our existence to prove to mm. ourselves first and to the market later that what we are doing works mm. so we actually chose to not build our our app or our technology platform mm. for almost the first Mm. Uh, and we just decided to work with customers we said we, it doesn't matter whether we deliver the solution through a app whether we do it through a web app through a website or through a whatsapp group mm. but ultimately what we were able to do in 2020 was we were able to prove hey, look this works mm. uh, people are seeing significant improvement in their markers people are being able to help goals consistently and we now have a our uh, intrinsic confidence on the fact that look this this is a methodology this is a platform and this is a program that works today we're going after we've raised the second round of capital is when we're actually opening ourselves up from a closed beta format mm. to a version where we are starting to accept direct customer signups mm-hmm. so till what till january of 2021 this was a closed platform and it's only now that we are slowly starting to open this up so yes this fundraise means uh, two or three big milestones that we are looking at now mm. uh, we are looking at uh, going from a beta in terms of uh, technology to a to a proper you know app uh, we're actually again not going to directly build an android or an ios app we're starting off by building a web app Mm-hmm. knowing very well that yes my customers experience is not going to be as good as an android or an ios app but mm-hmm. also knowing at the same time that we are being able to deliver the value proposition so it's sort of first principles thinking it's sort of zero to one mvp whatever you want to call it but the idea is that your solution should be able to deliver the promise that is that it's making and it doesn't matter what the the medium of delivery is mm-hmm. right so 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 sort of keep that in mind when and you're going to market a lot of founders uh, have this conundrum that hey i have everybody knows that we have limited amount of resources right like mm-hmm. no secret there so should i be spending it on first making a fancy app then uh, you know working back with customers or should i you know go and acquire customers in the thousands just so that i can show that i can i can build a large scale business so remember you every business has its own journey uh, but it's very important to make sure that you you you're sort of defining and predefining the check boxes that you want to tick and then making sure that you're delivering the the promise that you're out to make without worrying too much about you know what is the medium and what is the format and stuff like that it's it's vanity uh, and these are mostly vanity metrics that uh, in in hindsight you will realize that hey you know i just needed to deliver the outcome and as long as that yeah. works nobody cares how it's happening yeah 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 absolutely yaar tanveer couldn't agree more um i think we'll open up the floor for i have a few questions but probably let's start taking in questions and i'll probably butt in whenever you know you you stop asking one so the first question so guys if you have a question please drop it in the water cooler chat we'll ask you to answer it to tanveer the first is user 2143 i don't know whether he's online okay he's dropped off i'll just ask his question uh he has asked how to avoid dependency with my co-founder the essence of teamwork is that we overcome one other one another's weak points but it also makes us dependent on each other look 
let's understand what a co-founder's uh, position in a startup is, right? You're mm. you we in the startup world in the tech world we call a co-founder a co-founder. In if you go and ask your dad, you know he'll probably say it's a partner, mm. right? It's my business partner. Mm. Um, you 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 can't take the dependency of a co-founder, right? You mm. want to have a co-founder so that you guys are dependent on each other. so that you're building this journey today building a startup is a very lonely journey mm. uh, and having somebody to build it with you makes it that much Easy. more feasible practical mm. possible so i think that if you're already thinking about removing dependency and you should seriously question yourself about you know are you working with the right person and is this somebody who you really want to work with remember i mean a startup is a is a marathon it's not a race yeah. uh, and you're making a choice it's you're Think about it. If you put it in perspective, you'll spend more time with your co-founder than you spend with your partner, right? Your wife, yeah. your your girlfriend, or whoever. And that's the reality of it, right? We we end up uh, we do end up giving and dedicating a big big chunk of our life. So you really want to be thoughtful about who you're working with. And I think I would rather look at this positively and say, who would I like to be dependent on, or who would I like to co-build this with, as compared to saying, you know, how do I remove the dependency of of this person? Yeah. So. Uh... see i am a civil engineering student and uh, i'm working on a startup idea that is in the healthcare field okay so i'm working on a healthcare startup and uh, it is uh, it is an uh, okay my startup spadit is a pulse based diagnostic equipment uh, which analyzes pulse and gives provisional diagnosis basically okay so for that uh, I I'm a, as I said I'm a civil engineering student and I am not very much into the technical thing and I need a software developer for my startup to come into existence for my product to become a thing. So I yeah. I looked for a I looked for a co-founder. Uh, I've been I was on a search for a long time uh, and uh, eventually now I've started uh, started learning uh, software development myself. Like uh, currently I'm learning uh, web development. Okay. so yeah the, in my entire search like i have changed uh, three partners i won't call them co-founders technically because they weren't co-founders so see uh, see i i intend uh, my intention was to take them on board as a co-founder uh, cuz they they are uh, they will be what will make my startup something they will be what will build my startup who will build my startup and that didn't happen so i realized that i'm being dependent on someone else and uh, but i i knew that as a founder i need to have a good team but when i'm looking for a team i'm becoming dependent on my team and that wasn't working out i hope mm-hmm. you understand i i get i get your position raj you said right yeah 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 so raj i mean look uh i understand what you're saying i am not taking away the the challenge from the situation but i would uh, strongly urge you to reflect upon uh where you want your strength in the business to be uh right and it's see you've taken a decision to re- learn software development it's a great choice right you 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 want to be able to address this aspect of the business yourself as well but think about it like this right today it's software development tomorrow it will be sales day after it will be digital marketing the day after that it will be hr finance how many things will you do yourself at some point you will have to build a team and these are your co-founders your partners are pillars 
are the foundation on which the rest of the team will be built exactly. the rest of the company will be built so what i would suggest here is take a step back reflect on which part of the businesses you feel you would like to address yourself and by all means go and train yourself upskill yourself and do those but i'm sure you agree with me that you're not going to be able to address every aspect of the business and you then want to identify that's one or two core aspects that you feel are one very critical to the business uh, and two you don't have the skill set or you don't have the uh, intent of you know learning those skill sets yourself and that's where you identify a co-founder uh-huh. it's not an easy journey uh, i can you know share with you again when by with my past experiences as well i felt that getting a cto was very important to building a business in the in the technology world right and and this yeah. is something that's a core skill set that i don't have uh, which is why yeah yeah so now the good news is that there are formats where you can give yourself a better chance at finding a co-founder it's not an easy journey right it's like saying hey i want to go find myself a life partner right like there's there are multi billion dollar businesses which have come across to help people find life partners whether you look at the the 90s and the 2000s and the shaadi.coms or you look at the tinders and the bumbles of today these are effectively businesses which are helping you find a partner for life uh and this is exactly the journey that startups also need so you have now platforms like at like antler like entrepreneurs first and a bunch of other such incubators and accelerators which give you the opportunity to at least expose yourself to a environment where you have other like minded people who are also looking to build businesses and this is this just increases mathematically you're an engineer you'll appreciate it, it you know it increases the mathematical probability of you finding somebody all uh, right and and that's something that i can highly recommend for you put yourself through this environment if you're struggling to find a co-founder it helps you test and validate your idea it also helps you identify a partner that you want to find you might want to work with hmm in fact uh, raj thanks. see un- uh, understand yeah just j- just to add on to that yaar ki uh, if you're starting a company no if you're starting a company this is not a project this is not something which you, this is not a hobby of yours you're starting a company yeah a company is never one person agar aap register karane bhi jaoge na you will need two directors okay so yeah so that's the essence of it you your of course you know it's a, as as tanveer pointed out there are uh, it's a tough journey you have to you're looking for a partner you're looking for a partner for this whole journey to tumhare life it's like a, like having it's a second it's called a work wife your your co-founder yeah. is called a work wife right so you're looking for a wife it's it's going to be tough but you have to continue dating you can't give up on the concept that's that's the point here no i haven't given up on it but uh, yeah, yeah. like l- let's just start with it uh, i've yeah, yeah, parallelly yeah. upskilling myself like Good. learning this if i get someone I- i'll have my absolutely uh, like, continue meeting I'll have people my skill as well i can yeah, help yeah, and yeah. we can help one another absolutely okay please, please. uh john wick you are next can you just uh, unmute yourself and ask the question so my name is jatin and i'm from bangalore so the question is uh, currently i'm working on a startup idea that is still at an ideation stage which is related to uh, gaming industry so uh, i was uh, i actually i was looking for investors couple of investors so uh, i was researching about them like how what they ask in return in uh, in return of uh, you know shares or something so i was in a dilemma i was 
that uh, i heard couple of friends who said that they ask certain collaterals that's in sense of personal properties is it true that they asked this uh, apart from shares in the startup look in the in the venture capital world uh, the answer is a flat out no uh of course investors come from different aspects of of life and uh, there are certain investors in the more traditional world who may choose to ask you for of of collateral but you know that's that's like going to a bank and raising debt mm-hmm. uh in the equity world uh this is mostly uh unheard of very rare and in the venture capital world it's an absolute no no so uh yeah the short answer is that if you do have a investor who's asking you for any kind of collateral for um investment uh, and and they're all in your company you would want to reconsider okay so to to your experience who should i go like is it to vc or angel investor since uh, to say uh, stacy startup is around 40 to 50 lakhs whom do you think could be more preferable actually that ticket size is more suited to angel investors um venture capital uh, and again venture capital has multiple stages of investment so there are people who are investing early stage who sort of do the 100k sort of ticket there even uh, today micro vcs in india who do the 30 40 lakh ticket as well so this this market's really opened up i would not so my suggestion to you would, would be don't worry about a tag behind the investor whether it's angel micro vc vc incubator accelerator doesn't matter uh pick up people who you feel will add value to your business uh draw out a bucket list of investors who you who have one uh had demonstrated history of investing in the space that you are investing in so that you can benefit from their portfolio companies as well uh, and they also understand your business remember as a founder our time is probably the most valuable asset that we have and fundraising is a long and tedious process i'm sure so he can also share with you some you know learnings from that but uh, you want to be very very careful about who you're speaking to uh, how many try you know it's it, it's a bit it's a bit of a trap uh, it feels cool to be able to talk to vcs arrange meetings with them you know have have conversations but remember vcs get paid to listen to you it's a part of their job to listen to you to be able to make that investment in your company are uh, you as a founder on the other hand are incentivized to build the business so these are incentives that don't go together so i would be very cautious about the fundraise strategy and the fundraise approach build out a bucket list look at people who are relevant to your industry find out common introductions to get a, a warm introduction to, uh, to the vc don't sort of cold and you know cold email and cold call and stuff like that usually does not work Uh, and only then go out and invest your time into having those meetings uh, and be prepared for a fundraise cycle which on an average is 6 to 9 months uh, in an extremely optimistic environment you might fundraise in 3 months mm-hmm. uh, but i would say safely keep 6 to 9 months 9 months in mind when you are going out to raise money especially from a vc uh, or an in, or any sort of institutional capital uh, john does that answer your question yeah sure that answer my questions thank you thank you thanks a lot uh kamal you can go next hey tanujin thank you for coming today yeah so i had one question so how did lockdown and pandemic affected the overall growth of sova and how do you see it in post pandemic scenarios first now people are getting back to normal right so if i could Absolutely. have some insight on it. 
Yeah, look, we were on the on the right side of the lockdown curve. Uh, we're a health tech company. Uh, if anything, the lockdown has positively impacted our business. Now, uh, I say this with a pinch of salt because we also were a company that was three people when the lockdown struck us. So we had just about gotten out of the Antler program. We had just about raised our first hundred k ticket, and we were entering the market when the market shut down. So we were also not in a position to service customers uh, in a big way at that point of time. Like I shared earlier, we were running a beta program. So the lockdown really gave us the opportunity to dig deep, uh, question ourselves about what we're doing, and also at the same time build conviction in the business while we were doing it with a small batch of customers. So we've come out of the lockdown. Uh, we've managed to to survive and thrive. We've managed to sort of. So, build some sort of an early product that we've now been able to release to the market. Work with our first, uh, you know, set of customers, and also like like we all discussed earlier, raise that round of money. What's also interesting is that we managed to build a company completely remotely. So, Sova is a is a fully distributed, fully remote company where, at one point of time, we had twelve employees in twelve different cities. Ah, uh, and and none of whom had met met each other. And this was basically an outcome of the pandemic. I I don't think in my wildest dreams I would have thought uh, in if you'd asked me you know second week of March 2020 that is this even possible that you will build a early stage startup without having an office without looking at each other without meeting your customers without meeting your clients without meeting your suppliers without meeting your investors I would have yeah. been like no guys like like what what are you on but yeah. this is this is reality today and this has happened. Uh, and i won't say it's been super straightforward and super easy we've had to adapt we've had to evolve but the company's come out on the right side of the of the pandemic so far the journey forward super exciting uh from being in a space where people had to be uh you know people had to be sort of shocked or uh you know you had to put out these you have you've seen insurance ads right they always threaten death they always talk about death Uh, right health was sort of in that bracket where people would say oh you know if you don't take care this will happen and that will happen today nobody needs to explain to you that you need to take care of your health right and people are looking out for solutions people want stuff that they can do from their home people want stuff that's sustainable so in that way all the macro trends are pointing in the right direction and we are very excited about it as a company we've also been able to send out some products send out some value propositions into the market that are seeing the early signs of acceptance which is also something that excites us a lot uh, and our customers like i said we went out there to prove to ourselves that the product works the product is working customers are giving us uh, you know great feedback so our nps rates are very high and this is something so we we sort of internally focus on a few core metrics uh, that sort of are like signals for the business right like like so to be able to answer this question that you just asked me i can refer back to three or four metrics to say hey yeah the business is in good health and it is moving in the right direction and so far we are quite excited about uh, the prospects that are that are you know lying ahead for us kamal does that ask cool. thank you yes thank you uh, jaya you can go next jaya yeah. uh, my question is uh, it's still in india you know like people still prefer to go offline route and you know go for uh, uh, go to doctors or check nutritionists for their health problems so mm-hmm. how is so you are going to capitalize on it in india especially and also like how you are going to channelize your usd like you know like uh, you are doing something different from i wanted to know your thoughts on that 
So look, I think uh, just to put macro trends in perspective again, uh, e-commerce in India, which is you know the biggest segment by far after travel, uh, still addresses less than ten percent of the overall market. So for every ten people, for every hundred people who make a transaction, ninety people or more than ninety people still go to an offline retailer, and less than ten people go to an online retailer, and. the number holds true actually even for the us which is a which is the the most advanced economy in the world when it comes to to e-commerce and you know technology driven products and markets so there's no doubt that people more people will go offline and will continue go to go to doctors but the trend that you want to look at is how many people are now going online and using uh, digital services for healthcare right telemedicine has probably seen its single largest you know you call these uh, blue ocean events when you have like an extraordinary event that what was demonetization to fintech potentially is what covid was to health tech right and it sort of opened up the floodgates telemedicine which was languishing for the longest in the courts in terms of the kind of uh, policies that were allowed and what were you allowed to do online or not so i don't know if everybody knows this but you are officially now a doctor is officially now allowed to write a prescription and send it to you over whatsapp and this is legal and this is fine this is legitimate till pre covid this was not which is why a lot of telemedicine companies had a lot of restrictions on what they could do and what they couldn't so overall there is a shift a macro shift in people who are moving towards uh, digital utilization of uh, health and health services and that's the trend that we are capitalizing on i don't think at this point of time i would like to worry about what's happening in the offline world i think there's a long term strategy on how we this will become an omni channel brand where will there will be a offline as well as an om- online sort of presence at this point of time there's a large enough market to capture online and that's the one that we are focusing and going going after mm. uh jaya does that answer your question uh, yeah yeah Cool. Thanks for thanks, that. thanks, Ajay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so, uh, anybody else who wants to ask a question uh, can just yes, unmute yeah. themselves. Hey, Sadat. Yeah. 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 Go on. Hey, go on, hey, go on. So, yeah. So, my question was a bit long, so I didn't type it. Uh, so, okay. hey, Tanvir, thanks a lot for doing this. Uh, so, um, you know, just to give a background, there are two parts in the question. So, just to uh, for the first part. So, you know, India, India is like you know a land of Yunani, Patanjali, and you know. we have a lot of our own invented kind of you know treatments methodologies right yeah um, there are there is a part where the street children are there they are like probably the healthiest rather than the uh, you know uh, guys like us whose kids probably get go through all kinds of lifestyle diseases so um, you know um, in countries of U- us singapore uk you know you can do a lot of fitbit digital biomarking blood biomarking yeah. and you know accuracy precision is based on thousands of samples done by you know uh, genetic guys and uh, uh, you know a lot of biotech goes into it with thousands of samples probably right and that's how they infer uh, results for the ai engine so i the first part of the question is regarding the ai engine that you building up right um, so how effective is this ai engine and uh, what are the core components and the samples that you have taken or are are they all live or you taken a lot of data from existing sources right that's first past question uh, second is more to do with the entrepreneurial mindset uh, so you know most founders uh, enter the ecosystem with a mindset of uh, getting a great exit right yeah. um, uh, and what happens is vcs lose a lot of money and there's a lot of bad blood which affects other founders not getting money right uh, mm-hmm. so do you think like from from the early conversation 
you're your third startup and do you think that you have found a startup where you want to stay now so that is like the second part thanks thanks to me so shows that so okay i'll take the first one first right um ai engine uh, and how we are building it so we take inputs from four or five different source buckets or buckets of sources at this point of time so we look at your lifestyle data which is stuff like sleep exercise pre existing medical conditions uh, that you might have and any sort of eating preferences we then look at your habits uh, which is you know more sort of biological water uh how, how are you eating when are you eating stuff like that what are your what are your some you know behavioral habits in terms of uh you know do you end up eating in front of a television are you eating on the move uh, this gives us you know behavioral data on how you are consuming food and then we combine it with uh, blood analysis so we don't actually or we are we are building our own libraries we don't take any existing libraries because these existing libraries like you very lightly brightly pointed out do not exist for the indian or the asian population set a lot of the libraries that exist globally are built for the caucasian population and their biological built up their uh, metabolism and therefore the way that they digest and assimilate food is different from how the asian population does it and this is sort of what also gives us the edge in terms of what we are building because we are sort of creating this data bottom up now it means a lot of hard work for us and at this point of time we yeah. collect anywhere yeah. between 1500 to 2500 data points per user over a 90 day oh. period and this is this is the data that's being used to train the engine so there's a journey to to that we have to go through before which we become uh, automated or or completely ai driven at this point of time what we're what we're building in the first phase is basically a decision assistant to the healthcare professional so that they become more efficient their recommendations are more accurate and i feel that it's health at the end of the day i think there's a journey that needs to be covered before an individual or a consumer is ready to trust a machine with their health decisions completely in an automated fashion and which is why we we, we work on a blend between um, the human professional and the machine which is being run with a lot of this data uh, you know inputs so i hope that answers the the first part of of your question does it uh yeah well it does i mean this this topic is so vast you know i mean there are so many startups one of my friends actually he did a billion dollar startup in this area in the health okay. area and there are so many things so many biomarkers that need to be analyzed even carefully uh yeah. not only biomarkers but the kind of mris uh, i mean all sorts of medical stuff which is getting outdated uh, but anyway we will connect again and probably have a detailed discussion later yeah I, for now it does yes thanks okay, sure perfect Now the second one was on the the startup journey and founder mindset in terms of exits. Look, I think, and I'm sort of sticking my neck out here. I don't think there is anything wrong with somebody coming in with an exit exit focused mindset. Ah, uh, where people lose the balance a little bit is in terms of the timelines that they come in with or the scale that they come in with expecting. and then they sort of get disillusioned or disheartened because they realize very quickly that this is not going to happen uh and you know because of their initial euphoria they end up raising that first or second round of capital and then they have this you know massive expectation of hey i'm going to be the next unicorn and i'm going to walk out of this uh, you know with with a few thousand crores in my bank i mean this is not reality let's 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 learn and understand that we're here to build we're here on a minimum 
five to ten year journey, right? And expecting any sort of liquidity before that period of time is extremely uh, wishful. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but it's a rarest of the rare case kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. Having an exit focused mindset is not bad. I think having a reality check in terms of what this could mean for your own startup journey is what is important uh, for founders. And as for me, uh, look, like I mentioned earlier, you know, in our conversation, this is a, this is, this SOVA is for me, uh, a meeting of my mind and my heart, right? Like this is, I've, I've always found the health yeah. space yeah. very exciting, uh, health and fitness, very exciting. And I've been offered money even before this to build a business in the health space, but I could not take it up because I didn't feel that the market was ready. I do feel that India is at a cusp right now. Uh, and it's that tipping point that we are also trying to identify. So when I went in my into my previous startups, I didn't go in with an exit mindset as such that I oh I'm only here for two years or three years, or this is what I want at the end of two or three years. Uh, and similarly for Sova, I think that we're on a journey. I don't know where this journey will end. Uh, I'm hopeful that it will be a, a long and fruitful journey. But I think we'll all figure out in due course whether this leads to uh, you know, uh, uh, an acquisition, an IPO, or a shutdown. Right? All all outcomes are equally possible. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Thanks a lot, sir. Thanks. Cool. Thanks a lot, Siddharth, for that question. That actually throws a lot of light on on your thought process as well, Tanvir. I have seen uh, you folks right from the beginning here, so I can vouch for the fact that your company has grown in leaps and bounds in the past, and it doesn't feel like it's been an hour and uh, an, an year and a half now, is it? <laughs> it's almost two years now that you started Absolutely. the company. It still feels like yesterday. That is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I have one last. True. I have one last question, Tanvir, uh, and then probably we'll close oh. it down. Uh, so there are a lot of uh, aspiring uh, startup founders uh, out there, and of course, while you are still at the early part of your journey, you have had a long journey in as an entrepreneur. Uh, uh, and and yeah. having having been part of three successful uh, startups in their own ways uh, gives you a lot of mm-hmm. insights in the way an entrepreneur or a startup founder's mindset functions because there is an emo- yeah. it's an emotional roller coaster as well because as you rightly pointed out it's a lonely journey um, so yeah. if I if I ask you to you know give us three points which you would want people to keep in mind not from a skill set perspective but from a mindset perspective uh, when they are in this journey that will really be helpful sure now i mean and and uh, so thanks thanks for sort of shedding some light on the journey I, I don't think i can call all my startup experiences successful but i can call them great learning experiences and and that's what i hope to share uh, with you know with everybody who's here uh, look the first most important thing and i mentioned this earlier as well is is your team right uh, the journey is is a long winded complex roller coaster ride and you rather have somebody by your side than do it alone yeah uh, it's this is the emotional side of me speaking and then there's the tactical side of me of speaking which is you know a lot of people who are probably listening to this are also looking at venture capital and raising money from from vcs uh, and it's an unsaid need at this point of time. Uh, I'm not saying solo founders uh, don't get funded, but 
your chances again the probability of you get fund getting funded probably increases exponentially if you have a co-founder because it's a hedging of risk for the vc as well and it's important to understand how vcs look at companies and investments and it's not vanilla mm. or you know which is the best business and you know which is the most lucrative business it's also about being able to hedge your bets and being able to ensure that uh, you are checking as many boxes as possible because there's very little for even a vc are uh, to judge you on at the early stage there are not mm. a lot of financials or numbers that they play with right so mm. so that's why it's important for you to concentrate on that team element uh, very very closely mm. right the second thing uh, is be in a mind space family space uh, home space you know different aspects of your life plan for 5 years don't think about this as oh let me try this for 6 months oh let me try this for 12 months uh, you know it's unfair uh, to your partners it's unfair to the startup community it's unfair to the vcs uh, you know who are sort of backing you it's unfair to yourself as well because you know that you're pretty much setting yourself up for failure mm. if you're trying to think of this as a 6 month or a 12 month punt mm. uh not worth it man like you'll you'll probably have better nights you know you'll be able to to sleep better you'll be able to make more money uh, and you know enjoy your life much better if you don't do this uh, you know to yourself and it's not an experiment uh, that you want to plan with a short term uh, horizon Mm. at least mentally prepare yourself for 5 years and then take it as it comes from there that's the second thing i would say i think it's an exciting glamorous uh, industry right now uh, getting into a startup and which is why i've heard a lot of people saying hey mujhe startup karna hai mm. but like what does it really take it it does require you to commit a lot and be ready to trade off a lot in your life when you are you know going through this journey especially the the early stage journey uh, you know when a lot of it depends on you the individual as the founder uh, and not the ecosystem because you don't have an ecosystem that exists around you mm. so so that would be uh, you know the second sort of uh, advice uh, and thirdly is uh, you know and, and this might sound slightly cliche but uh, do it for the right reasons do it do it do build a company that you genuinely believe in and want to build for a long period of time again i've seen a lot of uh, i mean I, i i quite often get inbound messages from founders or aspiring entrepreneurs who say hey uh, you know i've got this idea or i've seen this business and i want to build it in india uh, ask yourself the question right like are you building this because you have seen a company like this being successful in the west and therefore you are enamored by the success of the company and not the business that the company does right so there's a difference between uh, i really love the business that these guys are building and i believe that something like this can work in the indian context or the asian context and and you know my skill set matches this and therefore i want to build it this is a legit story but yeah. just because a particular business has done well in the us does not mean that it is definitely going to do well in india so you really do want to go deeper than that uh, and and the same applies to venture capital uh, i think i i i sort of on a weekly basis get inbound from people who are looking to raise venture capital and sort of are looking for advice on that and mm. the first thing that i hear from them is hey can you connect me to a vc mm. uh, and this is not how it works right and this mm. is now how, not how you want to think about it 
um fundraising requires a lot of commitment and effort uh, and uh, it's only a means to an end mm. so when you think about fundraising when you think about vc when you think about taking a leap into the startup world really sort of reach reach deep down inside yourself and ask yourself if you are ready to do this for a long period of time you genuinely believe uh, in in the product that or the service or the platform that you're looking to build and thirdly do you have the right people around yourself to help you you know through this journey it would be my three three sort of takeaways cool 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 uh that means there is one guy who's asking for team building skills siraj if you have the time we can probably take it otherwise we'll close Yeah, quickly, so Siraj, I mean, give me like a little more detail, and I'm happy to answer the question. Yeah. Right, we're going yeah, to yeah, Siraj, right you can now. Like, give me a little more detail of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you like to learn? Detail, yeah. Uh, the startup, uh, it's a health detail as in uh, about the startup or uh, you know, like, about about the question. What within team building would you like to know about? Like, uh, okay, so it it will sound dumb, I know, but uh, see how how do I. Uh, Mm, what do you say? How do I realize that I am resonating with a person, and how do I uh, realize that uh, the person uh. I am resonating with right now uh, it will last longer, and it is not something superficial. Like uh, on the inside, there is nothing. Uh, how uh, I hope you understand. So bas- basically, he is trying to uh, evaluation of a co-founder. Yeah. Mm. How do I know he's qualified and uh, he's uh, maybe genuine? Sir, that Siraj, helps, that would help. I I think I can say one point and then Tanvir can follow. Is yeah, till the time you don't work with the guy, you will never know. You'll have to work with them for some time. Yeah. Only then will you be able to get. So to I work Tanvir. with three people and uh, uh, like not even one of them uh, was. No, that's fine. What you say, fit. that's that's fine. But you have just worked with three people. You have to work with more. <laughs> it's basically what we are saying three in my company like uh, i have worked with uh, like i've helped other startups as well around uh, 15 i guess uh, my friends but uh, <laughs> i am i fail at helping myself siraj i mean right a, a quick perspective on this one is um, remember when you are in an early stage company yeah pretty much salesman at every point of the journey uh sometimes you're selling to your customers sometimes you're selling to investors yeah, as the founder of my company i i uh, hire and i sell that's basically what i do i sell and i hire yeah what i was trying to say was that even when you're hiring you're a salesman yeah. you're basically uh-huh. selling to an incoming yeah yeah true yeah the, the that. vision that you come with the idea behind your company and you know you're you're trying to get them excited right yeah. money is something that is hygiene today all right people can find money uh-huh. in multiple places but they come to your company because they're excited about you the individual they're excited about what you're building mm-hmm. uh, and uh-huh. and that's why they'll want to work with you right uh, and yeah. look slightly different when it comes to a co-founder relationship from an employee relationship so what i'm telling you right is more from a yeah. employee perspective in mm-hmm. the first stage of course your co-founder if it's somebody who's not conceived of the idea with you also needs to be convinced about the idea and you're also sort of pitching it to him her uh, and uh, that look like sohail said there's no formula to this uh yeah. statistically you have to put yourself out there you have to have as many conversations as you can what you can do is you can add some sort of a structure to the process to help you make this decision 
so before you go out and start working with somebody first write down okay what are the things that i'm looking for in a co-founder what are what are his technical or her technical abilities what are their uh, you know personality traits uh, what is their background what is their financial status what is their resilience these are few aspects of their lives that you want to you might want to look at and put yeah. it down on a piece of paper because ultimately remember you're a human being making a decision to work with another human being and there's yeah. a lot of emotions that will play out in a in a situation like this so the more objective you can make this process the easier the decision making for you uh, so you're not sort of biased by your own opinions at every yeah. point of the journey and this yeah. might help you make a slightly more calculated decision as compared to completely sort of trusting your uh intuition at every stage you're sort of, you're sort of this is a calculated risk as compared to a you know a, a blind move that you would play you get that long journey so so you know keep at it uh and and this is the first test of your resilience and perseverance mm. yeah and patience yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely good luck cool uh thanks a lot tanveer for your time i think it's it's been what 75 odd minutes now and and we have had a long conversation it's 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 amazing yaar i think uh you know i to have been a personal admirer of the project that you people have been building and and i'll also be soon a client of yours just to test out uh, your services and i i wish uh, all the best to you uh, you've just started the journey with this fresh round of funding and and you know hope that we soon hear the news of uh, you know for of your next rounds as well and and hope to see you out there man hope to see uh, sova succeed and uh, you know be a be a brand uh, of of its of itself thank you thank you so much sohil for having me and and i hope this has been useful it's always a pleasure uh, you know talking to fellow entrepreneurs uh, and i'm always available for anybody who wants just wants to reach out i'm on linkedin uh, you can find me there and you know please feel free to to reach out that was the episode hope you got some rich insights for your idea from this if you like the episode do share it with your friends and rate us on spotify google store and itunes if you want to join the water cooler podcast live join the club at www.thebuildersclub.me until next time upwards and onwards